when we got really, really serious, she left her job as well. Not too wow. long after I left my job. And I was shocked because I was like, why are you doing this? <laughs> but I think she trusted on like um, the business. Welcome to A Table for Two. Inspiring and educational interviews and stories with the best operators, owners and entrepreneurs in business and the hospitality industry. My name is Phil Halani and on today's episode, we chat to Kenneth Rodriguez, owner of Donut Puppy. Kenneth's journey isn't a typical hospitality journey, but a passion for, for baking set him up for what would end up becoming one of the best donut stores in Australia. After finishing a uni degree after seven years but wanting to take a gap year, he started working in different jobs while also doing cake tutorials on YouTube. While working in retail, he started making donuts for his work colleagues. After seeing everyone go crazy for his donuts, he started wholesaling for other cafes and also decided to start selling at markets. They were sharing a commercial kitchen with other businesses but realised they needed their own space. When demand grew, they decided to open a wholesale kitchen in Redfern, which ended up being the retail store of Donut Puppy. Donut Puppy is now considered one of the best donuts in Australia and, they demand, and the demand for his donuts shows every week with them selling out. Kenneth has since expanded and also has another shop front called Donut Papito, also has a vegan range called Pudgy Vegan Donuts and plans to open a Filipino cafe called Tito. Donut Puppy is truly a family business with his sister Karen and other siblings all part of the journey. A quick shout out to our good friends at ProCal Dairies, Sonoma Baking Co and MD Providors who are passionate about supporting small businesses, the hospitality industry and also this podcast. Kenneth, thank you for joining me. My pleasure, Phil. It's, um, it's, it's good. We spoke about it a little bit before. You are saying that you are a bit nervous about getting on the podcast. Yeah, definitely. What, what were you nervous about? Uh, it's like... I'm not really like a good presenter or a host or like a talker. <laughs> so, yeah. You, you know what's funny? It, it's a common theme between most people that um, come on the podcast is yeah. I, think they're, I think it's more they're very humble and they don't want to talk too much about themselves. And, yeah. um, but I'm very excited to tell your story. So I guess, you know, one question I like to usually start at the, at the start of the podcast is how did you get your start in hospitality? Um, literally like Donut Puppy, like how I started. Wow, so, bef- Donut Puppy. so before Donut Puppy, you weren't working in any kind of hospitality? No, um, I worked in like fast food um, industry. Yeah. Um, two of them, one a burger place and one burrito shop. Um, but like, you know, I, I, was, I, had, a, I had a position like a supervisor, um, second in charge, but that's about it. Mm. Yeah. So what were you doing um, before you, the idea for Donut Puppy came up? Um, I was pursuing to become a film director. Really? Creative arts. Like, I'm not really fussy. Like, I was into media before. Yeah. But it turned, like, it went to, it went too long. It dragged too long into my life that I'm like, after like probably seven years of trying to study and finish it, I was just like, got sick of it. Wow. So so how long were you studying film director? Um, It's... Seven years, total of seven wow. years. Wow! Yeah. So you actually did it for seven years, and then after that, you realized. It's yeah, it's not. It's not like you know. I went on like one uni and then just stayed yeah, there for yeah. seven <laughs> years. But it's like because what happened in my life is like you know I moved to like that was a total of like four unis or four colleges. Okay. So yeah. yeah, so just didn't finish. And so you decide you don't want to follow that that track of that path of film director. Yeah. What's next after that? How, how did the journey for for Donut Puppy start? Um, so I think I'll take you back to like how I got into baking first. Yes, so, please. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a total of seven years studying media arts. So in the Philippines, I went to two universities to first study fine arts. Um, that's fine arts major in like advertising arts. Um, I got kicked out after two years with that prestigious uni in the Philippines. Why, this did, was you, back why did you get kicked out? <laughs> I'm into like, I probably got distracted because I, when I was doing fine arts, I was enrolled in like the reservist army corps of the Philippines as well. Okay. Um, let me know if this is like becoming too long. But no, like, no, no, please tell us. We love to hear your story. Um, yeah, so I was doing fine arts and the officership for the reservist of army in the Philippines. I got in too much to the military because it has like brotherhood and like, you know. Okay. We're like, we party, we're best mates. So I focused on that and then not focusing on my fine arts. <laughs> so, you know, my grades was, and I, have, I was like dealing with like personal life as well at that time. So I was like, you know, 
YOLO, I'm going to party <laughs> with my friends and this is way too much fun because that was a course as well. Yeah. But not knowing the fine arts was like the reason why I need to be there so I can stay in the army or like the military, like the reservist corps. Okay. Um, so yeah, like the uni kicked me out. I can't do both. And then that where, that's where I stopped my first attempt to getting a degree. <laughs> <laughs> so, so talk to us about the baking journey then. So yeah, so um, I got in interested in like baking when I was doing my YouTube channel. So this was like towards the end of the seven years. Okay. So after the seven years, I was doing I was studying in Canberra University University of Canberra. Yeah. After two years there, I moved back to Sydney because Kit, my youngest brother, he's the last one to move in Australia. Okay. So that was a good opportunity. I was like, oh, I need to catch up with the whole, like the whole lot, with my whole family, and and then I was like, I I need to I need to practice my skills, I guess, without the uni. So I decided to like to have a gap year again <laughs> for the end time. <laughs> um, but I don't want to stop my 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 skills so i i was like i'm gonna start my youtube channel and i'm i have this idea it's called casino central it was up and running in um youtube and you know it was i was like oh, i'm into media but i'm into food as well so i need to do i need to practice that um idea of mine and i asked karen my um sister to be the host of that channel okay so we were we were doing well. We were um, subs um we were we were partnered with Tastemade on YouTube, um, and we were getting paid a little bit. I'm not really? I'm not like saying like hundred dollars, but like we're getting, I guess like starting per month was like getting ten dollars, twenty dollars, and increasing and so stuff it was like increasing, that. Increasing, yeah. Yeah. So, but Karen had a job as well, and I was like, I don't want to stop. So I had this idea where. I'm gonna bake myself, but because I hate looking and hearing myself on the camera, <laughs> um, what I did was like this like baking series of that YouTube channel. So I was making cakes, like fil like Filipino twist on like a pastry or a cookie. Yeah. So I got into baking to that, and I think that led to my um, craving for donuts because I was like. Oh, well, how about I make like a Filipino donut? And then I wanted to reference some of like the stores here in Sydney, but I couldn't find one. And I was like, it's only Krispy Kreme. So that's where it started. Like, wow. I just keep, I was challenging myself to perfect the donut for a recipe. But yeah, so, and it, yeah, it was just like, after that perfection, like, you know, getting challenged and I liked it. So, so, yeah. so from the journey of saying you want to perfect a donut, there's these, you notice a gap in the market in Sydney. Yeah. How long did it take you to when you said you want to open your first business to actually opening Donut Puppy in um, Redfern? Um, I think the goal wasn't to have a shop because I don't know if I'm capable of it, to be honest. Um, so when I was baking, the donuts, like no one's eating it at home. So I bring it to work. I used to have a retail job. Okay. And that retail job was like a big team. Like, um, so yeah, so I bring them there and yeah, they say like, oh, this is so good. This is like the best donuts I've had. I was like, calm down, I'm just practicing. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I keep bringing them and they were obsessed with it. Um, and every time I bring, I time them. And then I think the fastest one was like after five minutes, it's all gone. Um, <laughs> and the big donuts, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. So so you're in that process of making donuts for your staff, you, your teammates at work. H how did it go from being a hobby to a job? Um, someone just recommended to me, oh, how about you do markets or take orders and stuff? So I was, that sparked an interest and. When I was looking like how to join the market, because there's no like reference or a website, you know, on the internet that says like this is how what you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you go to a website of like 
uh, festival or market, and then they tell you what the requirement is. And I was like, I don't know any of these letters. What's ABN? What's TFN? What's yeah. PLI? <laughs> so I figured that out myself. And how did you figure it out? Oh, just like, you know, Google. Everything's Google. Um, right? Yeah, everything's on Google. <laughs> hey. Um, but yeah, so in order for you to join a market, you need to be a legit business already. So I did all of that stuff. Mm. And after joining a market, I was like, well, I can't really leave now because I've did all of these troubles. <laughs> so might as well keep continue doing it. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I was uploading my process on my personal Instagram. And I was, at that time, I was just like, I was just brainstorming what the name could be because I, I'm like, I'm a little bit perfectionist in terms of like branding or like branding name. Um, so yeah, like someone just, sub, uh, so yeah, someone, no, sorry. I saw on Instagram um, this name of like a famous musician. So I was like, oh, well, how about I change because it was Champagne Poppy, pretty much. Oh, okay, so yeah. it was Drake. Drake, yeah, yeah. So I saw Champagne Poppy. Oh, how about I do, I change the champagne to donut, and, and it was like donut poppy. Mm. So that was kind of how I, how the name get, got started. It's cool how, how ideas of names come up, right? Like we had um, Alex from Black Cockatoo, and he was talking about, he was driving through the mountains, and he's seen a yeah. Black Cockatoo coming through. And Yeah, I was listening to that last night. Yeah, it was a great podcast, <laughs> yeah. great podcast. So um, all your stories are very similar because you have the passion for, for what you do. So you, you've come up with the name, you've registered the business. Yep. Um, and then you decide to go into the markets. Yeah. Where, where were the markets? Um, my very first market is at Peakhurst Night Market. And when I got there, I told myself, like, why am I <laughs> Why was that? Was it just because you weren't confident? You weren't? Not confident as well. The first, yeah, the first reason why. But at the same time, I was like, why did I make it? hard for myself by joining a night market a night market and a day market is so different because you have to bring all of your light geese uh, and okay. i guess like you know operation wise it's like a little bit different it's the, you know it's at the end of the day and um, what can you do with like the wastage after that so yeah and so you you do the market that was it a success yeah we were sold out, and we, I was cooking in the on the side as well. Wow. Um, yeah. Second reason why why am I making it hard for myself? <laughs> because I am really like passionate about making fresh donuts to the customers. Because nothing beats like out of the fryer donut and having it like a couple of hours after. Yeah, the picking up the donuts when they're like. Freshly cooked is yeah. the best thing ever, isn't it? So, <laughs> I so. But I mean, it, it goes to show you that you, you do care about, I guess, experience of, of tasting that amazing donut. Yeah. So after your first markets, you obviously start doing more markets. Is that, you keep going with that? Yeah. So after the Peakhurst Night Market, I was, a, I was a little bit serious into it because I was looking for like a farmer's market or like a regular market that I can join every week. I'm still doing my retail job up at this point. So I joined Bondi Junction Markets. And, oh my God, that market was like what everyone is telling you about Bondi. So like, you know, Bondi is really well known, like health. very healthy, <laughs> very strict dietary yeah. requirements. But I was like, I don't care. People will still be here. People need a balance, right? They need to yeah. Eat. yeah. Um, I think we lasted about four weeks there. Um, and after that, I was like, I need to join other markets. Was the, it was it actually slow? Was it Bondi? It was busy at first, but we started noticing people are asking for like vegan donuts, gluten free, sugar free, okay. paleo, yeah. and I'm like, I can't do that at the moment. Yeah. I'm starting. <laughs> I'm just yeah, starting. You know? So you decided to go to different markets. Where which market was it that really took off for you? Um. I think after that, we couldn't really find any perfect one because of our time schedule. Um, we started exploring with like bigger markets, festivals and one-off 
or annual um, expos. Um, where was... And I started exploring like wholesale at this point as well. Okay. Um, and then we collaborated with like the usual cafe in Cabramatta. Um, we do like Moon Festival in Cabramatta. Um, yeah, that, yeah, I just kept getting like private orders online. Okay. Yeah. So, so what moment was it where you went from supplying a few venues, markets to saying, all right, we want to do our own store? Actually, when we got this red friend, like we're, our intention is not to get a shop front. Okay. It was more um, of a, like a whole, like a kitchen. Yeah. Like a private wow. kitchen. Um, but you know, I was like, uh, I really, I wanted it, but Karen, Karen is my business partner. So I told her like, I really wanted it. Maybe just like a little bit of window, like open this. Um, because when we got this, we were, we were working in a commercial kitchen in Banks Meadow, and that's like a communal kitchen. So like you okay. just hire a table there, and then you know if there's other markets very similar to our business, like they do pies and okay. cookies and whatever, and then they can hire a kitchen and you yep. can work there. So we were really happy with that, but their kitchen is getting busier as well to a point that we can't even join a market or we were struggling okay. to join the market because the kitchen was full. Yeah. But we can't even do it at home. Um, so yeah. And then we we had a product of like these cookies before and we had a client a big client um, and they were distributing the cookies. But that didn't that didn't even like last very long. So because our focus is like the donuts. So so when you you take the lease for this site, it's at the start it's just going to be a commercial kitchen. Yeah. So how did you, how did that change? Um, I was exploring all of these three operations, like the retail, the wholesale, and then the markets. Um, I was like, why not try everything first, mm. and then we'll see. We'll eliminate, you know, one or two after a year. Um, but yeah, we were struggling because it was we were getting busy because. You know, three operations, it looked easy, but there's actually a lot of like components like delivery, behind the scenes, website, yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, but I think after like a couple of years, actually maybe just a year, we got rid of like the wholesale because my accountant was like, uh, it's like you're just breaking even or you're losing a little bit of money. So mm. I was like, I'm happy to leave that because the website that we joined for the wholesale anyway is changing okay because we're not we're not doing our own wholesale operations we just joined a website like a third party to, to distribute our products it's pretty much like menu log but for wholesale okay yeah and, and so what was it were you not enjoying the wholesale side of things um very little profit, I guess. Okay. And how the website work is, you know, the point of wholesale is to get consistent customers every week. But this wholesale website didn't do its job. Like we, we would keep getting like new customers every week, and the cust the previous customers wasn't even going back because they're either not available for delivery or okay. they're not meeting their time. Yeah. So very very inconsistent, which put pressure yeah. on you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you start focusing on, on the retail side of things? Yes. When did Donut Puppy and Redfern really take off? Your, your store here? Um, I would say... It was... Maybe I, I can say like it's busy non-stop. Really? From the like start? From the start. Like, you know, in our opening, you know, usually if a venue opens, there's a line. But actually every weekend there was a line. Wow. And, you know... So how, how did the word get out about you guys? Like you're saying there's a line every weekend. Where, where did the... Um, probably just prior to that, we were collaborating with a lot of like cafes. Okay. Excuse me. And yeah, they have a big following as well. And yeah, just Instagram, I guess. Wow. Yeah. We'll talk about social media and yeah. what it did for your business. Talk to us about the journey of, of signing the lease, setting up your business, setting up the bakery. Like how, how hard was that? Um, the f this red friendlies was 
I would say it was pretty easy, but signing the lease, I didn't have an idea how this works. I didn't get a solicitor wow. <laughs> just signing this. Really? So you did it without <laughs> a solicitor? No, because I thought it was, you know, I've signed a, an apartment lease before and that was just like, I thought that was the same. I, lo- I love this really casual, <laughs> where does this casual attitude come from? Like it's, it's because I mean, you probably not advise anyone to do that moving yeah, forward. Definitely. Right? Yeah. No, not now. <laughs> what, what surprises after you signed the lease, what surprises did you have with this lease? Um, it what? was like, we saw the lease sign and then because my landlord just lives just like two doors away. And then when I called to inquire, we're actually outside the shop. Um, and then he was like, oh, can you inspect today? I was like, yeah, I'm actually at, outside the shop. <laughs> and then he, he pulled out after like 15 minutes and then we inspected the place. He showed it. I was like, oh, this is, this is all right. And then I was talking to Karen and she was like, you know, if you're, if you're really into this now, maybe make an offer mm-hmm. because it, this is a, back then, like we were like, oh, this is a good spot, you know? So I offered it right there and then. Wow. And yeah, we just signed the lease after like a week. If you had your time over again, would you have done anything differently with the lease process? No. <laughs> That's excellent. And I mean, look, obviously you, you got to do your due diligence when you're signing a lease, but yeah. it's amazing how that worked out. Yeah. You know, just signing pretty much agreeing and the landlord agreed on the spot then and there. Yeah. Cause wow. they, yeah. Cause yeah, they're, they're self organized, I guess. Okay. Before back then. Yeah. That was three years ago. Yeah. Okay. And so, what was what was the journey like for Donut Puppy? It was busy. I mean, was it hard setting up the bakery? Did you have the knowledge because you were baking before you knew what you needed? But yeah. did you have did you struggle at all during that period of setting up Donut Puppy? And um, I have this idea where you know everything's just gonna be easy because I don't want to change anything how we operate. So back then at the markets, you know, you set up everything like you put the fryer on the table, you unfold the table and everything, the signages. But I'm just treating this as like a market, but with like, you don't have to move those things. Okay. Like I did markets for like two years and the struggle was real because setting up, bumping in, bumping out every, you know, every week or sometimes it could be like days as well. So this was like easy. So I was like, I'm just doing my market operation here mm-hmm. and it's like the fresh that people can come. So maybe I think that's easy, but setting it up behind the scenes is a different story. Yeah. And so did you have, again, we spoke about the lease and was there any, would you have done anything differently? Setting up the shop like you set up, would you have done anything differently with the shop? No. That's excellent, man. How good is that? First time you nailed it. Yeah, but (laughs) now that I'm, I guess I can say I'm experienced now. Yeah. um, I want to do things differently because... Karen is like, I guess my mentor. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm saying that as a mentor, like life mentor, where she was saying, um, make it simple. Life should be simple. It shouldn't be complicated. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't want to make things complicated. I don't. I didn't. I didn't sign up for a fit out. Like I didn't spend. Like I didn't actually invest on like how it looks okay like we didn't actually have a signage outside before wow yeah and what was it before you signed the lease what was what what was the shop before you signed? was it a takeaway shop um i heard it was a korean japanese place okay so it did have exhaust services all that thing so yeah it has everything awesome so you obviously how long has donut puppy been open for now um the the shop the shop yeah three years Three years, your reputation is, you know, you have some of the best reputation for best donuts in, in, in so. Sydney. And, and everyone that has your donut says the, the dough is amazing, the, the, the glaze is amazing. How, how does that make you feel when you hear that? Um, very, 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 very flattered. You know, um, we really worked hard on how to, I guess, perfect the donut. Or even not perfect, like what it is now. Um, and it's a combination of everyone's talent and creativity in the team now. Like my team now is like, if I can keep them forever, I would lock them, (laughs) I would lock them in the shop and then work for them, work for us forever. But yeah, um, yeah, very proud of my team. Yeah. 
That's awesome. And, and it shows you how proud you are you can, when you're talking about him. You, obviously, it makes your job in life a lot easier when you have a great yeah. team. So yeah. um, what's the process of, of, of a donut? Like, what's, you know, do you have to get in super early? Like, you know, baking, some people have to get in at midnight. Yeah. For the donut product, what's, what's the process? Um, so the process, it would, it's different now and before. Okay. So before we used to wake up. If we have a market, if it's like a big market, we start at 12 a.m. Just because like we were using the commercial kitchen. So 12 a.m. And then maybe cook till 6 a.m. And then after 6 a.m. or 7 o'clock, we drive out to bump in. And bump in takes about a couple of hours, depending on like how big the site is. Uh, But now we're really lucky because we have all of these equipments that can help us make production very, very quickly. Mm. Um, so maybe now it's, I would say, four, four to f- no, five to six hours. Wow, so it's still, a, still a long process. Yeah. yeah. Can, you, can you give us a rundown of how that process is? Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, you weigh out all of your ingredients, you put dry ingredients into the mixer, and mixer is about like um, 20 minutes to like 30 minutes. And then, you leave that in a prover box and then after you prove it, depending on the weather as well. Okay. So it takes about 20, maybe fastest could be 15 in summer, maybe 10 minutes in like very hot days. Oh, days, yeah. Um, and then you degas them and then you roll them out. After you roll it out, you cut it and then after cutting, you prove it again and after proving, you fry them and after you fry them, you cool them down and after you clean them, you can start glazing. And then there's a bit of a wait period because the glaze needs to set. And then serve that to the customer. And this is, this is exactly why you can charge what you charge. You should be charging yeah. more for your product. Yeah. Do you struggle with, with people comparing you guys to the, you know, the 7-Elevens yeah. and the Krispy Kremes? And <laughs> does that bother you? Kind of. Like, you know, salute to the... Krispy Kreme or like, you know, the donut chains because what they actually did was, like I have a very strong opinion about this because people look down on donuts and they look at it that it should be only like three to four dollars, but donuts like big, they're, they're humongous, you know, and making it from scratch is like just what I said, the process is one of the hardest pastries, I guess, if you make it by hand. But if you have a machine, you put the flour into the machine. After that, it fries itself and no one touches it. So yours is all done by hand? Um, hand process, I guess. Like, we have machines to help us. Of course, us. Like, yeah, sorry, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Yeah, but like hands, like actual hands touch them. But like a crispy cream, you see, like you can see like the whole, you know, the, the process. whole process. Yeah. But literally... They don't even touch the flour. They just dump the flour into this machine. So it's very, very hard in terms of like making it from scratch and with the quantity as well. Mm. So that's why we open at 12 in the midday because we have we need all of that hours to produce all the donuts throughout the day. Okay. Yeah. So what makes, what makes your donuts so unique compared to... The other guys? Um, it's very unique in terms of like flavors. We're not, we're not afraid of mashing up things, um, trying new flavors, especially like Asian flavors. Because you're back home, you're from the Philippines, yeah. so you're adding the ube flavors, yeah. things like that. Yeah, we love, we love exploring other mm. ingredients like ube, pandan, yeah. even like Japanese like flavors, matcha. But even your dough, your dough is, is just like, like I said, I mean, my wife's obsessed with your donuts and she always says the dough is just out of this world. She can have the dough by itself. What makes, like, what's the process? Do you know what the difference is between how you do it and say the guy down the road? Yeah, I guess um, tender loving care. Tender loving care. So you need. Yeah, you just, you just need, <laughs> as, and as I said, like, as fresh as possible. If yeah. you can sugar that donut after the fryer, you serve that to the customer, yeah. that would be the best thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And so 
how big's the rivalry? I guess the competition between you know you guys and Grumpies and 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 other other kind of people. Like, is it is it a competition? Is it like fierce or is it more like you support each other? What's it like? Oh, this question. I mean, you're you're too sweet to say anything bad, but I mean, I mean, is, what's the competition like? I don't want to get into a beef with anyone. Yeah. Um, I guess, but I do. I do like subtle jabs here and there. If I find a donut shop, like, you know, wasting food. Um, this is like donut shop on Instagram. They, they think it was cool to like step on a donut. Yeah. And I was like, what a waste of food, period. Not a donut, a food. Yeah. So I kind of told him about something on like, very subtle on Instagram. And I think they noticed that. <laughs> and then, but there's no there's no tension. Like I don't you know, I talk to the owners of um Shortstop. Okay. Um and then Grumpy I visit them sometimes. They don't no. know. Hello, <laughs> hello, hello Elise. Hello. <laughs> if you're listening. Um but I mean is it something for you do you do you support competition? Do you think it's a great thing for you because it allows you to stay on your toes, I guess? Um, yeah. And I'm not there to suss it out, you know. I have my own thing. Like, I have weed products. And I'm there to... Because I'm sick of my donuts already. I've, like, I've eaten them, like, for, I don't know, five years now. Yeah. Well, yeah, so you, I need you, something else. Yeah, it's like, you know, cafes. We, we don't eat our, at our own cafe every yeah. day. I mean, I do, but at the same time, I'm, you know, I'll go to another cafe for lunch or whatever. So, no, I totally understand that. Yeah. Um, could you tell us roughly how many donuts you sell across all your businesses a um, week? I still don't know the numbers every day. We just um, base them on kilos. Okay. Um, I still don't know how many. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I guess the markets, I can tell you, uh, markets, we can do like 1,000 or 2,000 wow. per day. I think there's one point that we sold 2,000 donuts on a day or maybe more. How do you prep for that? That's huge. I don't know too. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, um, it's very, very hard. Maybe for some other businesses, 2000 is like nothing. But I said like our process is different. Yeah, it's and, a massive process. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've obviously got several locations now. Um, you know, you've got Donut Puppy, you've got Donut Papito, yep. um, and a few new concepts happening next year. What's, what's the vision behind Donut Papito? And, uh, and can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so Donut Papito is located in Kensington Street near Spice Alley. Um, we got approached by the Spice Alley people and I have this concept where we started where it's just like filled donuts. We call it bombos. For, so anyone that doesn't know your donuts now, what are your donuts now? Um, in, in Redfern, it's Redfern. glazed. Glazed, glazed um, fritters, bear claws, all the type of different donuts. Okay. Yeah. But back in the market, we used to do only filled donuts and that's where people discovered us because it's just like an array of like flavors probably like 15 to 20 wow. at a market and it's just like f like on the table like filled with colors and toppings and stuff like that wow. um that kind of disappeared we always bring it to the markets because you know at the markets i guess it's easier to operate with the bombos because they're all the same dough and it's just like different custards okay. and different toppings. So yeah. that's what just what we bring. But here in Redfern, we do glaze because there's actually a lot of process for the glaze or for bear claws or fritters. Um, so yeah, so that kind of disappeared. But I was like, oh, how about this small venue? I think it's like 13 square meters. Very small shop. Yeah. yeah, so we can't cook there. So everything needs to be cooked in Redfern and we just bring them there. So I was like, oh, how about we bring back the bombos? So that was an opportunity for me to like not let go of that concept. Of we still do markets, but I just want to make a permanent location for that bombos um, product. So yeah, um, it's still a pop-up. So... So, yeah. it's, so is there long-term plans for Donut Pepito or is it? Um, I can't really say. <laughs> not too sure. Not too moment. sure, yeah. How, how's it been received in, in um, Spice Alley in Chippendale? Yeah, um, not too bad. Not yeah. Too. Um, we try to get like the dinner people 
like from after Spice Desserts, Alley, the yeah. dessert. Yeah, because it's it's a. I think they would have been affected massively, obviously during COVID, which yeah. we'll, we'll talk about as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it it is. It'd be more of a predominantly a night. Yeah. Venue, right? Yeah. And you've got also you've you know you've worked on a vegan range, which is very popular. Yes. Pudgy Pudgy Donuts is that? Yeah. Pudgy. So is that a physical store? Is that just the, the donuts you sell through here, through Redfern? Um, we sell them here in Redfern at the moment. Okay. But I have bigger plans with it. Um, I do things very slowly, very slowly but surely. And but I want to take. I guess I want to start the brand now because brand recognition takes time. And you know, Donut Poppy. I guess prior to the shop, we were at the market, so we have movement already. So I want this future concept to move now rather than you know in the future where it's going to open a shop by the time your shop's ready to open it's going to st start with a bang yeah, so, so i guess that was my next question in regards to the vegan market yeah do you see a massive market for the vegan industry yes that's why i started pudgy because i see i see the future where veganism is i think it's really it's very big now as well um, I'm not saying that because I want to join the vegan, you know, like the business and like take, I'll take all of your money because they have vegan donuts. <laughs> but I believe personally as well that you should be, you know, reducing your meat intake and, you know, just there's like a vegan, there's a whole vegan options now mm. where it's like, it's ex exactly the same. And if you're not hurting and like, you know, animal, if you're not having animal products and it's just the same, like why not? take that so it's more of an ethical thing for you you yeah. want it with the animals and things like that so from a process when you're doing vegan pastries and, and non-vegan pastries is it a massive like obviously the products are different but is the yeah. process a lot different um in some products but for the dough i think you know it's just a matter of finding like a rep egg replacement okay and yeah usually we have a separate fryer as well and the whole process, like, we use, uh, we, we cook the vegan donuts first. So, like, it's not reversed. Whereas, like, if you cook the non-vegan. Cross-contamination. Yeah, yeah. So, it's just easier. Yeah. Someone someone that works with us said that you have to go to the Glebe markets because it's a massive vegan. Um, I, think, I think it's the Glebe markets that have vegan massive vegan options and they said you'd kill it in Glebe so <laughs> oh, really? yeah Dylan from Dirty Red I don't know if you heard the oh, first podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he works across the road from the markets yeah. it's a it's a great option too I think you'd, you'd yeah. do really well there so oh, I'll try that yeah we'll, we'll connect you yeah. there <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you how do you how are you maintaining you said that you kind of you work pretty slow and pretty yeah. chilled um, which allows you to focus more on the standard and the quality of your products yeah. how other than that how are you maintaining the quality and the standard when you have more locations so you've got Redfern, you've got Chippendale, you've got the markets. How do you maintain the standard across the board? Um, I trust in my team. So I know, you know, they know the product so well as well that I, I'm not saying like I'm giving my trust. I'm giving my trust 100%. But um, it's a bit tricky. How would I say? I guess like, sorry. That's all right. Do you do you struggle to do you struggle with that? Is that something you struggle? Or you think at the moment you'll be able to nail it when you in all different locations? Because I, I wouldn't. First of all, like I wouldn't go into a market where I can't, where I know that I'm not gonna see them every day. I wouldn't enter something that I wouldn't control. So I think for me, like, you know, operating Papito, Redfern in the market, that's like my maximum limit. And I can see the production. I can see, because I deliver them myself as well. I'm the only one who can drive in this team, by the way. So <laughs> I, I will see, I will touch the products. I can get a job. I'll drive with you. <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you spoke about... Um, uh, you know your sister's part of the business yeah. it's a bit of a family affair at Donut Puppy yeah. Who, who's involved um, from your family and, and what's everyone's role um, all of my siblings are involved now I obviously started this and then 
Karen is... I guess she's here and there before. But when I when we when we got really, really serious, she left her job as well. Not too wow. long after I left my job. And I was shocked because I was like, Why are you doing this? <laughs> but I think she trusted on like um the business. That's awesome. Um she so believed she believed in the vision, right? Yeah. So she's the store manager at the moment. And then my youngest brother Kit is the head baker now. He slowly got into it as well. They are the two that was with me in the commercial kitchen where we wake up at 12 o'clock. Wow. There's this story that you have to open this gate at 12 and it was really cold. And they always reference that story because I think we just get a little bit teary thinking of that because from that point was like we're nothing and now we have our own shop. So no, that's, that was that, a little bit of backstory. But that, That's beautiful, yeah. man. And then... So he's the head baker. Um, the last one that joined our team is Kevin. Um, he used to be a manager at Burger Show, uh, Burger Chain, um, in Sydney. And yeah, so now he's past that career, and he wants to excel in like the media. So now I got him for um, media and admin roles here at Puppy. Man, how proud are you that you've been able to create all these jobs for your family? Um. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, very, very proud because I, I didn't think that they would trust me this much that this is their job as well, yeah. And and so, because you said to me they all, you all came from um, the Philippines. How old yeah. were you when you came from the Philippines? Um, 20 years old. Wow, so you, yeah. came, you came quite late. Yeah, after yeah very, years. very late. Yeah. yeah, I was studying there. I was doing my two uni courses there. Back They're in both in the yeah. Philippines. Yeah. And so they've all come here. You essentially you got them, you got them, They're working from the back of your success at Donut Papi. What's the? How is it working with family? I think now is okay. Like we 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 trusted each other, but I think it's a learning process because from the start, Karen and I used to argue like violently. <laughs> <laughs> There's this um, point at the market where. She disagreed on me, and I was just like shouting at her in the van. Wow! Um, and then I made her cry because I can't get my point to her. And I was like, you know, even if my, if even if you think my decision is a bit unfair, you don't have any choice because I'm your boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's easier to say that when they're family, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't as much as possible. I don't want to say that. I probably said that like twice. Or three times in within like five years of like working with her yeah um, but it, it feels bad you know um and especially like in like f- asian family you know the eldest sister is the boss pretty much wow okay. so that's hard to take over mm. if you're in a business um but now we're all okay like we communicate with each other this is how it is and we have kind of like I guess an unspoken rule on how who's the who's the final decision yeah. here here at work. Well, you yeah. can tell you guys get along very well. There's a lot of respect for each other now. So yeah. obviously, when you're younger, there's always going to be yeah. issues, and it's it's <laughs> new. But that respect has to be there for for both businesses to work. Yeah. Um, Kenneth, can you talk to us about some of the struggles, mental struggles you've faced in business? Yeah. Um, what you've been through, and also how you got through it. Um, yeah, I guess the first. You know, I was cruising along um, when I started at the markets. But I guess the very, very first struggle was very early on, we got a we got an opportunity to pop up at Darling Harbour where I have to leave my job. I'm happy to leave my job because, um, you know, this is like on the, big, the big opportunity of for Donna Papi. Prior to that, the, we have a... We have an offer to have a shop at Broadway when they were renovating their food court. But I said it was too early. I think I was in like six months okay. into like the donut business. And then I felt kind of bad because that was an opportunity that I missed. But I told myself after, if there's an offer after that, I would grab that 100%. So I did that. And the Darling Harbour pop-up, there was no lock-in contract. That's why I got in. But it's like a 
um, I would say like 20, 30, 20 square meters. I can't cook there, so I have to do the commercial. I have to cook in the commercial kitchen. But anyway, to cut the story short, it it was a Darling Harbour, and Darling Harbour, you know, you think it was busy, no. But at the end of the day, when I was actual there, like first day, we sold like fifteen donuts versus my expectation to sell at least maybe eighty or hundred donuts wow. to break even. Um. And then after that, that was like, I was in denial. I was like, oh, maybe they'll come after the grand opening because that was a soft opening. Mm. Um, and Karen was still working at this point. So I was like, I have to cook from 4 a.m. Because it's a shopping out. It's like sh- shopping, sh- like shopping center. So they're open till 8 or 9 p.m. So you have to abide by their rules and you can't close like you know I'm sold out so you have to like stay there and bring enough to stay there till 9 o'clock yeah so I struggled as well like I think for a month or two months I I lost like about like 10 kilos wow just from working and stress just from working and not eating and can't afford food literally wow and that was very very traumatic um and I think I was still younger at that point where it's like, you know, everything's okay and I have my family support. Um, but yeah, that was the start of like, I guess, if someone told someone told me that, you know, you need to experience this in order for you to survive in this business because from that, it's just going to be harder. Mm-hmm. So I, I, was, I still have like a positive mindset after that. Um yeah, by far that's like the hardest. Um, but now I've tried to take care of myself because I know what my limit is. And, you know, I look up to like business people, like business owners like you and all of this, Thank you, like um, people on your podcast. And I was like, I respect everyone. They can handle stress this much. Yeah. But I've learned along the way, even though I wanted to, I can't because that's just what my mental limit. And I know what it is now. Like now I'm like 30 years old, 31. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I just know what my limit is and I can't take more than that. Like I can't risk, for example, like I have two shops and I can't have more than that. I know Mm. physically and mentally, even if I try to, along maybe halfway through another project, I will break down. Yeah. So. It's so important that you identify that and you know yeah. what your limits are. Yeah. So, so I guess, is it for you to grow and do more? Is it a matter of having more people around you that can take on that responsibility? Or is it more a matter of selling a business and doing another one? Um, I guess just enough people to support me and the business as well. Okay. That would be enough. Um, you know, I'm still open to selling the business in the future if I want to like if everything's just like overwhelming but I don't see that happening in like the next five years I, lo- I love the fact that you're, you're you know you know what your limit is though you know yeah. that your mental health and your happiness is more important than anything so yeah definitely like I can't really compare myself as well with other business owners because that's just not who I am like mm. yeah Everyone's got their own journey, so yeah, it's definitely. important to follow your track. So, yeah. um, you know, talking about tough times, what was COVID like for you and, and your business? Um, COVID, honestly, is amazing. Not not the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I like to the fact that Australia is trying to protect everyone here yeah. and they everyone can't go out of the country. Mm. So everyone is here. So definitely... There's a lot more people in Australia right now than ever before because we can't travel. So That's true. Everyone in here and we're present online on social media, you know, they can't go anyway. So people get donuts and experience like the whole craziness of donut puppy. So did you experience higher sales during COVID? Yeah. Um, we closed for two weeks when it was like really serious, like okay. March. Or like we were having like 300 per day. We closed because we're like, 
we just noticed that we're getting busier and busier. And wow. I just need that two weeks buffer because I want to execute it like safely as much as possible for everyone. So yeah, we rested for like two weeks and after that it was still busy, mm. like getting busier and busier every day. Wow. Kenneth, I love one thing about you is you, well, there's many things we love about you, but I think, I think one of the things is you genuinely care about, you know, like the safety of your team, the safety yeah. of your guests. And it's, it's very important. You know, those models are very important. So what, I mean, was there any struggles during COVID or for you it was, like you said, it was, I mean, from a business point of view, it was a blessing? Um, yeah, like financially, I guess, like, it's a blessing, you know? Yeah. And Redfern loved us so much, they keep coming every day. That's amazing, man. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where, yeah. How does it make you feel? I know you said you're pretty proud when people say you have the best donuts, but the feeling of selling out all the time, like, it's, you know, make more, you sell out. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's very special. Yeah. Um, before it feels really good, but now if we're sold out like after two or three hours, it's kind of actually embarrassing <laughs> for me. Okay. Because we're like, oh, we have this kitchen. Why won't you just make more? But there's so much more into that, you know. Of course. But yeah, like after like three years, people are still coming, and yeah, just I just love what I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And how do you deal with? I guess you have such a supportive um, community. Community, sorry. How do you deal with the negative reviews and the negative feedback? Um, I'm. I was just gonna compare myself back then, but I think it hasn't changed. <laughs> Compared to what? Sorry, what was that? Back then, like how my reaction is. Okay. Um, you still have the same from when you started. <laughs> yeah. So what's that reaction like? Uh, I take it personally. Okay. Um, I think because it's my hard work and I've worked hard for this and it's because you know negative feedback if someone read if another customer read a negative feedback they will get affected or influenced by it and I used to be on Google review like so much because those numbers and those stars are like before like it matters to me but now I get this like stress headache. I call them a stress headache. And they're a different headache because I can literally feel them spreading from like my forehead to the back of wow. my forehead. And that causes like if I read a Google review and I take it personally, um, that will affect my whole day because I can't work properly. Mm. But now I stop, I stop reading them. But at the same time, listening to this podcast, I learned that everyone has a struggle. Um, like, like customer has their own struggle as well. So I try not to be affected by it. But if I think it will affect another customer reading it coming to our shop, I will say something. Okay. And sometimes I fight back online. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's this one Google review specifically that said we're, this customer I think is Filipino and they think we're like, literally said, we prefer white customers than Filipino or Asian customers. And I'm like, how is that possible? They said that you guys prefer... We prefer serving white customers what? than... Yeah, it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. So I was like, where did you get this? Um, we're, hello, we're Asians. <laughs> <laughs> and if, as you can see, the whole team is like very, very diverse. Yeah. We have Irish, Filipino, like Vietnamese, everything. So how can you say that? Like, so yeah, that, that still... That needs to be addressed. Of course, 100%. And so I emailed them. No, I can't email them. But like I just um, commented on that review. But I feel like people should be careful with like t saying things like that because that's a serious issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, I tried to resolve it, but yeah. How is, um, I guess, the, the Filipino community, is it a supportive community? Do you find that they support you and back you or do you find that there's a bit of jealousy where did you get the jealousy part? <laughs> I'm no, you, know, you know what I mean. Like, it's obviously, yeah. you're doing very well, and is there, no. is there any jealousy? And no, I guess that's that's why I got triggered because it's a little bit true. Wow. Um, the the Filipino community is an amazing community. 
supporting their fellow Filipinos as well. But there's this like toxic traits where, you know, if they see someone, I'm not saying everyone, but specifically this like people, if they see someone is successful, they are really hard on them and judging them if, you know, if, if it wasn't good enough, they'll say something and, you know, they'll tell their friends and their aunties and family. Um, but, yeah, they, I guess, because of, like, our background and we offer, like, Filipino flavors, we have a strong Filipino community and I'm very, very proud of that. That's awesome. I mean, the majority are supportive and, and back you, but there is that jealousy, those haters that yeah, just going to be haters, yeah. right? Um, they, they come in and they talk, um, Tagalog to our staff, but not all of our staff are Filipino. Ah, uh, okay. They just know, they, they, they call us like a Filipino donut shop. But really? Because, you know, it's owned by Filipino. But they talk to my Irish staff in Tagalog. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> it's, it's time to train your staff. <laughs> yeah. They probably assume that we talk to them in yeah, Tagalog. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. um, and I guess your social media following has blown up. It's very popular. I mean, over 30,000 followers. Um, 38,000. 38,000. Yeah. So, I mean, how did it exp- – I mean, you got amazing support from people like Isaac Eats A Lot, um, <laughs> who we both love. Yeah. Um, thanks for the, the invite last week, Isaac. We, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's um, – what's, you know, that, how important has social media been for your business and for your growth? Um, it's very, very important, I would say. Um, I don't think you can start a business now without social media. Even like you can see like plumbing services or electrical services. I'm not, they can still survive, but social media is so important that people can find you there no matter what business you are. You know, you just have to like think of, you know, what to post and the visibility, visibility on that platform. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I know when I started, I was, I was a bit late. I know I'm a bit late. But I was like, you know, I'm just going to start it now because in the next five years, it, maybe it would be something. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd say, yeah. And how do you, do you have a strategy for your social media or is it something where you just kind of post as you go? When I started, I think the strategy was just like to post nonstop and to post on like the busiest period of the week or time of the hour or time of the day. Um, but now, who knows? Instagram's, um, whatever you call that. Algorithm. Algorithm is yeah. like so messed up now. Yeah. Like no one knows. Like the, I think the next strategy for us is to explore other social media platforms as well. Are you on, um, Snapchat? And um, Snapchat TikTok? is dead, I think. Is it? <laughs> I think so. I think it's for the youths only. Okay. But yeah, I haven't, before I used to. But I don't think it was that successful for a business, mm. in my opinion, anyway. Um, but now we're only on Instagram and TikTok. But no no t- Facebook? Uh, Facebook, not much. It's only integrated to my Instagram. Instagram. Okay. So whatever I post there, it's just get posted there. Yeah, I find that Instagram is still the most useful tool for business, especially food yeah. businesses, because it's essentially it's a gallery, gallery yeah, right? Yeah, so exactly. Photo album. Um, you know, obviously, other than your flavors, your unique flavors that you create, um, and your social media, how do you stay relevant? Um, I keep just keep offering fresh products, um, like the crazy products gets attention, but I I want to do it my way because I just don't want to do like you know bubble gum on a donut. Because yeah. I think that wouldn't pair well. Like, I still pair it. And when people taste it, it's like, it makes sense. Mm. It's just not a gimmick. I'm probably, like, guilty with, like, one or two here and there. Just, just, <laughs> just like a gimmick. Like, I would say the the Migoreng donut that we did was one of them. Wow. Is, <laughs> but, is that the one that got the most social media um, essential awareness? Yeah. Did, like it, that, did it blow up? Yeah, it it blew up like people are lining up 
an hour before we open. And I only prepared 15 donuts on that day. <laughs> 15? <laughs> 15. Because I thought, you know, it's a gimmick. It's yeah. just... My inspiration was like a spaghetti donut from New York. That's what my inspiration. Wow. So I was like, I'm going to make an Asian version that everyone knows, which is, you know, Indomie, Indomie Mee Goreng. And yeah, I, I just it just went crazy. Like I've seen after that week <laughs> in actual Indonesia, they're like Mee Goreng donut stalls everywhere. I'm like, really? exactly the same. Wow. Yeah. So, but, yeah, like, I know that was a gimmick. But someone messaged us that they, we copied them. And I've seen the post. Like, they're like, this is, this is my original work. Um, I did this last year, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, I've never seen your post before. My inspiration was the spaghetti donut. And it went viral because I talked to the Indomie people. And I got a backup from them. And then they contacted Indonesian media, so it just blew up. Yeah. But the difference is that I my packaging was the wrapper is still there. So we okay. still have the branding. And you know, it's just like a tiny branding element, but you know, it was it was effective. Mm. And that guy was just like barely like it was just like literally like a donut okay. and, and then a photo. I was yeah. like, okay. Do you worry about that because because of social media now? Like, obviously, you know, that's what most people do. They'll get inspiration. You got yeah. a spaghetti donut, but you put your Asian twist on it, yeah. so it's your creation. Do you worry about people, worry, you know, saying you're copying and things like that? Does that bother you? It bothers me if they copy me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You know, some like there's no such thing as an original idea. Yeah. But if you copy very very closely to it, you know, like change it up like don't be because people know on social media for example one donut place in melbourne you know very strangely similar to our leche flan donut i was like okay i can't say i can't message them i don't want to be that guy i don't want to message them they're like hey you actually copied mine yeah. Like I actually did like the slice of a leche fandom. No one has done that before, but that's like just a spark of an idea in my head and I did it. I executed it. But they just copied it and think they like elevated it. Um so my point is <laughs> um Oh, this the idea just went So so sore. from a copying point of view, seeing people copy you just isn't it, it, it annoys you. It annoys me, but I seem like just change it up mm. a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and, and do you get most of your inspiration from places like overseas and things like that? Yeah. Um, yeah, like traveling mm. um, and social media as well. Of course. Yeah. So as, as we start wrapping up, we've got a few more questions, but what advice would you, get, um, would you give to someone that wants to open their own venue? If it's cafe, hospitality, donuts... Um, know your limitations, I guess. And I will tell you, if you want to open a cafe or a restaurant, um, start small. Um, you don't want to go hire like a 200 square meter venue. And no one would, no one would do that, but just start slowly. And you can't go from a small business to a large business because you think like it would work but yeah. I th for me anyway you start slowly um and yeah and um be kind to everyone it's my favorite thing be kind what's the best piece of advice you've ever received i think it's from karen um she said if if you think this is for you you're not going to quit no matter what happens. Even if you fail, you keep trying and trying because you love it. And then even if it doesn't work, you find things how it's going to work. To make it work. To make it work, yeah. That's beautiful, man. And that's the thing. And because you love it, there's no way you're going to give up. Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. And if you had to give advice, I know there's a lot of advice questions here, but if you had to give advice to your younger self, so 10 years ago, 10 years, 10 years earlier, what would you say now that with what you know now? <laughs> um, you should have went to um, 
you need studying commerce <laughs> or business or accounting or whatever. <laughs> is, is that because you feel like it took you a long time to understand the numbers and the business side of things? Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think the, one, the one thing I've seen is a lot of the most successful operators out there didn't have the uni degree. Yeah. Sometimes people are waiting to know everything before they start. So yeah. I think it's sometimes just not knowing what you're going into is sometimes the best, yeah. best thing you can do. So, um, But I also wish I went to uni. <laughs> Um, what's next for you? What's, you know, what's, if I said to you in five years, what's your plans, yeah. you know, international, interstate, um, more shops, obviously you said, you know, what your limitations are, but yeah. what's next for you? Um, next for us is to open Tita, which is going to be like a cafe, a Filipino cafe restaurant. I don't know what it still is yet, but it's <laughs> like dedicated to our auntie. Um, yeah, after that, just keep the quality of Dona Papi and hopefully open Pudgy. And I think that's it. Like, I can't really go more than that. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to do a follow-up podcast yeah. when you vote, you know, you, you yeah. tell us in your plans. So, yeah. um, before I ask you the final question, is there anything we've missed that you think I could have added to this podcast? Any value? Any more? Any questions that I should have asked? Um, no, I think everything is like well covered. Covered well? Yeah. Beautiful. I've been stalking you, man. I've been researching, <laughs> asking you questions. Um, all right. So obviously my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts is Guy Raz, How I Built yep. This. And he asks every guest at the end of the podcast. I'm ready. You're ready for it. <laughs> With everything you've achieved, how much of your success do you put down to luck, to good luck, and how much to hard work? Um, in my opinion, hard work attracts luck because... You know, if you're not out there, these opportunities or like this person that will give you an opportunity wouldn't see you if you're not around or you're not visible or that's hard work already. Mm. So, yeah, I think hard work attracts luck. It's a great answer, man. Yeah, thanks, man. Awesome. <laughs> Kenneth, thank you for your time. I, um, no you know, obviously, and I want to say thank you because you obviously supported us during COVID. Isaac connected us and, you, you know, you let us start selling your donuts and, you know, I, it's a it's a pleasure to work with you, and I, and I can't wait to do more things with you in the future. Thanks, man. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Cheers, brother.